Hi, welcome to 90 Heartbeats. This is a bonus episode. This is uh, in response to a question from uh, my good friend Rachel, who asked me to expand a bit more on the topic of microventures. So in this episode, I'll talk through what microventures are, where they came from, as far as I'm aware. And then I'll give you a few stories of some of the adventures I had and um, how they went and how they came about and what I learned from them, I guess. And, and very much, I hope that this episode will inspire you to take a microventure as a fantastic and very accessible thing to do um, to enhance and enrich your life. So uh, here we go. Let's talk about microventures. So microventures are best explained uh, from some of the words I learned from Alistair Humphreys, um, which is pretty much the main source of where I first learned about them. It's in a world of focus on the nine to five, take an adventure in the five to nine. So what this is talking about is find those small, small uh, slots of time that you have available, typically midweek, typically after work, so hence the 5 p.m. Uh, and take an overnight and go and take a quick, easy, accessible adventure and be back at work for 9am the following morning. That's a micro-adventure. If you look for hashtag micro-adventure on Twitter, then there's a lot of people sharing the things they do. And uh, where I came at this topic from was um, through James, a guy that I met that ran the storage facility that we used uh, when we were moving into the woods. So that's a Forest Family series of episodes in this podcast. Go and check those out. So James introduced me to this concept and I came across this guy, Alistair Humphreys, on Twitter and he had a book which was then released a little while afterwards. But the hashtag microadventure is great because people are really showing what they do. But Alistair was really promoting this idea of, <clears throat> particularly if you live in a city, particularly what resonated with me in my case, was if you spend a lot of time trying to fit in weekends away, and and you know when you when you you know with a partner, maybe with a family and your kids and things, you know if you're trying to get a weekend away for yourself to go and do some like climbing thing or some like camping thing with your mate or something, it's quite hard to find to like kind of negotiate and agree and find a time that works for a weekend away, and you know it becomes a real hassle, you know, or you're more doing stuff with your family and you know it's different. It's a different thing. It's a wonderful thing to do, but it's different. So, instead, the opportunity presents itself to take a little mini adventure away. It's a shame I use the word mini there, but I felt I was overusing the term micro adventure. But, you know, midweek presents itself where a lot of the time in that situation you're just at home with the, you know, the family, you're watching TV or something, maybe doing your taxes or something boring. And actually, there's an opportunity there to use that time and to have a mini getaway. So what they promote a lot is people, certainly in cities, to travel maybe up to two hours because you can get a train from central London, for example, or central Manchester. And you very, very easily, within a two-hour window, you can maybe take a train out of the city for an hour and then take a short walk from the station and you'll be in some nice countryside and you can find a spot to have an adventure. <clears throat> That's the general basis of micro-adventure. Microadventure works for you is quite context specific. Depends where you are. Depends what kind of getaway you can work at. 
and it depends a little bit as who you've got you might be able to do it with you obviously if you do it on your own then that's obviously a bit different so um some people that you see on twitter and alistair talks about is for example going for a bike ride for half an hour an hour to get to some kind of you know uh remote rural spot and then pitching up you know lightweight tents sort of thing um there's some quite cool stories of people doing canoeing adventures where you might canoe for an hour down the river and then find a spot and camp and then you canoe back in the morning back to your car and you go to work um otherwise you know again this sort of train idea of take a train out of the city where you live or after work um once i did take a massive rucksack with like an ice axe uh, to work in an office in London because I was then getting the train to go to Scotland to do some winter climbing. Um, that was quite funny. So, so yeah, if you're in a city and you can like take your kit ready for going away for a night, that's quite quite a good laugh. Um, and the idea of this night, uh, five to nine my convention thing is to try and get back to work the next day because it doesn't really matter. One day, if you're pretty knackered because you didn't sleep that well with, as they say, a ruffled shirt because you've had it stuffed in your rucksack or whatever and you smell a bit of wood smoke, then, you know, does it matter for one day? Of course not. And, you know, especially if you do it on a Thursday night, then you, you're just going to work for the Friday. You can probably slack off by about three o'clock, you know, things like that. So that's kind of some of the principles. Um, <clears throat> but for me, um, so, you know, at the point that I found myself, I did certainly have a busy family because we had four kids at the time. So looking for an opportunity to have a short night away was quite appealing. Um the first few that, I, that I'll tell you about were mostly around where we lived in Sussex. So it was quite accessible because we already lived in quite a rural area, but it meant I could just travel 10 minutes drive away or something and have a night out and then be back um, maybe for the Saturday morning to, to be with my wife and the, the kids and stuff on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, so again, you're really minimizing the impact of family as well. This is part of the really good, for, good, good part of it is um, if you're really needed to be part of the family, then it doesn't matter if you're just nipping away for that one one night so that that was kind of part of the context for me and um i'll be able to tell you now about a few of the different adventures that i've had i've got five micro adventures that i did that i'm going to tell you about but i think the first one i mean camping and stuff had always been a bit of a thing including wild camping a little bit but in terms of when i really got into this particularly with the twitter hashtag behind it um was first with James when I had met him in the store place, storage place. And he said that he and another guy he worked with, we'd go out and have a night in the woods nearby to the storage place. So we did that. I don't know what day of the week it was, probably a Thursday maybe, something like that. I'm sure it was midweek. And I think we met at the storage place and we, we left our cars there and just walked um, a few few hundred yards to, to sort of the footpath that entered the woods that were opposite. But, but actually what happened was that uh, I, for some reason, arrived late with them. They'd gone in and found a spot and kind of set up, and we were trying to, you know, meet. But the problem was, you know, this was before people got into Google Maps and uh, location pins and things. So I got a bit of a vague description. and I, I have written a blog post about this um, back when I was trying to find them. It was very vague with quite a lot of shouting and trying to find them. But but we eventually found them, um, which was good. And we, we sort of had a fire. We had some food. Um, and we just had our own little bivvy set up. So I think for most of these, I know for the first two of these, I'm just looking at the list, first two of these, I just used a big piece of old style canvas that I had um, and just all rigged it up, you know, draped over a log and I had my roll mat and, and sleeping bag underneath it. And that was it. Um, and it was basically kind of a nice night of chat with two guys. 
and fire and drinks and stuff. And the, the one kind of notable thing, two notable things, one was the, which is hasn't happened uh, before or since, which is that we, we didn't bring a bottle opener for a bottle of red wine. So we, we thought we could do the trick of like bashing it as the foot of the bottle against a tree to uh, open the cork and, it, and for the first four or five thumps it, it worked and the cork started to loosen. But then the fifth one, the glass smashed and we had glass everywhere and we managed to salvage uh, sort of a one person small glass worth of red wine which didn't have glass in it. So that was it. But the other thing is is quite a common thing is is what you wake up with in the morning, which is a big reason for doing it. You know, if you can have a micro adventure where there's a fantastic view, then the reason for that is because when you wake up, then you know it's an amazing thing to wake up to when you first sort of clearly open your eyes at five a.m. or six a.m. or whatever. So in this case and the next one, it was Bluebell Woods. So it was um, just you know really gorgeous when you wake up with the sort of the dawn chorus and the dapple light. And, you know, you just had this sort of very green picture with blue bulbs. Um, just, you know, really beautiful, really lovely way of waking up. So the second one was similar. It was in Sussex, <laughs> in some woods, but it was quite funny because uh, through J- James was organising a charity fundraising night, some kind of like raffle auction charity thing. And I, and I offered to help with like the bar and moving tables and chairs and things. And um, I was trying to sort of think about, well, if I want to have some beers at this event where you know i don't want to get a hotel that would be stupid and I don't want my wife to come pick me up and then i was like well why don't i just have a micro adventure why don't i sleep out somewhere so i looked at the map for where this event was and um had a few places in mind which is a recommended thing as you recce with a map and you, you pick one or two or three places in mind that look good in a map that you know slightly away from a footpath maybe in the middle of a woods maybe on a hill for a good view stuff like that but in this case, uh, you know, I had a few, nothing obvious. But when we went to set up, I actually realised there was a wood behind this barn where this event was going to be. And I actually asked the people who owned the barn if it was theirs, and they said yes. And I said, would you mind if I camped out tonight after the event? And they thought I was mental, really, and uh, said, but yeah, I suppose, you know, if you want, are you sure? Because it's already raining now and it's going to rain all night. And I said, yeah, sure, it'll be fine, be fine, fine. So again, I put on my tarp um, and sort of, subtly sneaked off after we packed up everything had a little mini fire and a couple of drinks more and, and you know again had a similar wake up so um that's quite funny it's nice to be the crazy person amongst people that you meet that does give you quite an extra boost to it uh but these two didn't kind of give me a sort of stunning view in that sense from a landscape perspective that comes with the next few the next micro adventure tell you about is right by my mum's house and on uh, Instagram, Forrester Nige, I shared a picture which uh, shows a Google map of it. Because um, the spot I found was a perfect triangle between my mum's house and one of the local pubs. So what I did was, uh, I actually did drive down because I don't know why. Uh, again, it's kind of the easiest way of getting on with the day the next day. It's probably a Thursday night because I tend to do it on Thursday nights. Drove down and parked my car, um, tucked out of sight in this field. <laughs> Hoped it wouldn't be kind of seen because you don't want to draw attention and make it seem dodgy. And uh, I slogged up the hill to sort of check out the spot and found a lovely little um, kind of glade of trees at the brow of a hill on the kind of shoulder of a hill, really, just 100 metres before some woods. And, yeah, sort of a few trees around with a bit of a space, a bit of clearing in the middle. So it looked perfect because you're sort of slightly hidden from, from views, but you, had a, you, know, you knew you could have a great view in the morning. So this, this was sort of late dusk, you know, it was like 9 o'clock or something. And it was quite – it was good weather. I think it was uh, summer. And um, 
And then I sort of slept down to the pub, slept down to the pub. So I had a couple of beers, probably had some food. I remember. And the point was then once it's dark, it gets to like half 10 or so, properly dark, then, you know, said goodbye to the uh, people in the pub, um, grabbed my staff out of the car and sauntered up the hill. Only took about 10 minutes, walk up the hill. This is only, again, one minute drive from my mum's house. And got myself settled in, my bivvy bag. Now, I'm a bit obsessed with fire, so I had a little fire. And I was a bit worried that it would be visible. So I tried my best to kind of have it sort of behind the tree trunk and sort of behind a log and stuff. So you could have a little fire. And I was a bit worried, but I thought I'd figure it out, right? Who's going to be looking up the hill that time of night? Um, <laughs> it is risky, definitely. So obsession with fire is not great, but, you know, because it might get you noticed depending on where you're doing it. But it is obviously lovely to have fire. And the other thing was I decided to have some, some more booze. And I've got a bit of a bit of a thing and I was going for a bit of a phase and I'm going to do an episode on about my relationship with alcohol I think but um, this night I chose to have a Prosecco as in a bottle of Prosecco and you know to go with this fire and some chocolate or something and it's just pointless it's just so pointless I mean it feels lovely to be sitting there having a fire and drinking a bit of Prosecco in the dark having an adventure like this but it's sort of so pointless you know because I was on my own I was about to go to bed so it's one of those things you think okay that is a dumb relationship with alcohol but you know it was nice enjoyable at the time should have just had a little little mini one, probably. So then woke up in the morning, um, quite early, you know, sort of dawn. I could see sort of five-ish, light was breaking. You know, blue really looked out of my sling bag, and it was a beautiful, wonderful morning. You know, really clear blue skies. Obviously very cold at that time, but I was cosy in my sling bag and stuff, so really lovely. And then, then I became aware of some rustling. And then I became aware of the fact that I was in a field of cows, which I sort of knew, but the cows had been sort of way over the day before, and it didn't look like they were particularly in his field. But as this was morning, they sort of wandered over and obviously started to pay interest to me. So, uh, you know, that's fine. I started to get out there. You know, they were sort of behind nettles and some logs and stuff. So I was quite happy in this like little central glade. But the problem is that one cow welcomes other cows, and soon, you know, cows are very curious. So they just started to get closer and closer. And, sort of and I started packing up my staff because I saw I was just going to ruin my breakfast idea here. I can't cook my beans kind of thing. And so these cows started pushing through and they were really going to get to me. And I wasn't scared, but you don't want a whole herd of cows getting on top of you. So I had to exit sharpish, grabbing my sleeping bag and roll mat and sort of getting out of there quickly before the cows kind of came in, came home, so to speak. That was quite funny, but obviously a lesson there about cows. Uh, so I ambled down to my car and uh, fired up the stove there and made myself a tea and had some beans, I think, maybe, and then uh, headed off to work. Micro-adventure done. Okay, so this next one definitely involves alcohol and involves two other people. Um, so shout out to Jason and Chris. Now, Jason is, is a very uh, frequent micro-adventure. We were camp, you know, camping and climbing for years. Chris used to be into climbing with us at uni, but since with family life and work and stuff, not quite managed to do that, get more into uh, mountain biking and stuff. So we're always keen to try and get Chris away for climbing or whatever, but he's got a young family and it's hard. That's the good thing about microadventure is you can try and find these sort of very mini pockets of time to try and do something with. So it was a Friday night, I'm pretty sure. I think we agreed with his wife that he could have a Friday night and then he would be back Saturday morning lunchtime by the latest. So, you know, he had, he, the idea was to get him back for, you know, noon or whatever so that the wife has to do the kid stuff, but then you can kind of take over. So, and this one is not as near because Jason's in the Peak District and obviously that's a fantastic resource to use. So Chris and I, after work on a Friday night, uh, met at Paddington, or no, would have been King's Cross probably, uh, headed on the train up to uh, Sheffield 
had a few beers and stuff on the way, on the train, as you do. Had a good old catch-up and chat about work and life and stuff. Uh, we see, we see, we were seeing each other quite a lot anyway, but you know, me and Chris can spend a lot of time together. That's fine. So that was really good. I uh, enjoyed the train ride. And then uh, I think he was doing some work as well. I don't know. Um, and then we changed to Sheffield and the rain started to come down. So that was quite funny because we knew it hit the north, us two southerners. Uh, well, he's actually from Leamington Spa, so he's sort of a Midlander anyway. But he lives in, in Bucks now um, and lives and works in London. So works in London, but lives in Bucks. Too much detail, probably. Anyway, point is, uh, then we picked up Jason from his station, which is on the outskirts of Sheffield, and carried on the train to Hattersage. Now, Hattersage of the Peak District has been a regular haunt of ours for many, many years. We've always been there climbing uh, as kind of ventures and then through uni and then with our families as well. So, and Jason lives really near there. So we went to Hattersage, went to the Little John, which is our, our regular pub that we've been to for years, and sank a fair few pints. And I think we sort of wondered why there was quite a lot of people in suits and, and quite smart dresses and things. And we were playing pool and, and a couple of the guys were kind of quite close and they wanted to play. So I think we played with them. And then uh, after quite, we'd have quite a lot of beers on the train and then quite a lot of beers in this pub and then a few shots and things. And I, I, one of us, I think it was me, inquired, oh, you know, so why is it? And they were like, it's been a funeral today. This is a wake. <laughs> so that was a bit awkward. But, you know, it was fine. It wasn't like it was a closed event that we crashed or anything. Uh, so then the time comes. It's about, uh, you know, half to 11 o'clock, kicking out time. So we had Jason had a destination mined up on the hills above Hathersage, I think at Lawrencefield, for those who know um, uh, that sort of area and the edge that's up there. Um and so we just started on our track, but we did have quite a lot of crap with us because we had all our work stuff as well as clothes, as well as sleeping bags, as well as bivy bags, as well as stove and water and probably a few more beers, I don't know. So we started to schlep, I like that word tonight, that schlep up the hill. And man, I was just not able to do it at all. I mean, we I did check afterwards because we got I got a, a real kind of mocking for not being able to walk very far. But it was, it was 1.3 miles or something uphill after a whole several hours of drinking. And I was absolutely plastered and really knackered. And I just could not see. And we're only walking up a footpath by the side of the road. So it wasn't like, you know, an interesting mountain, you know, route or anything. Uh, so, so we got to this and I was just like, I can't go any further. There's a field. That'll do. So we started to climb over this uh, field gate fence thing, which I managed to find on Google Street View. That's uh, on Instagram as well. And we like sort of half fell into this field Stumbled, stumbled towards some trees, and that was as far as we were going to get, and we crashed out. But what it did mean was that in the morning, uh, you know, oh my god, totally kind of the whole, whole whole point of this kind of thing is the view was just really nice, quite forest forestry with the trees around us in a nice sort of pleasant field, far enough from the road you didn't really hear any of the early traffic, and we woke up at like six or half six, seven or something anyway, and um, yeah, just a really nice view of the, of the Peter Street Valley, um, of the sort of Edale Hathersid sort of valley. So really, really, really nice. Excellent. We're very hungover. I think Jason was sick. He'll, he'll be pleased that I've highlighted that fact. And uh, But yeah, great mark adventure. So I don't know. I think um, there is then a photo of us. We did go for a walk. So we could sort of hangover walk that morning for a couple of hours over Burbage, I think. And then uh, we got Jason, uh, Chris back to the station because he needed to get his sort of 10 o'clock train or something back uh, back home south. And he made it home to his family, you know, a good time. So that was a really great peak district adventure with three mates getting absolutely bladdered in the peak district. I think I stuck around for the following night, but I think we stayed in the house. I don't think. Anyway, so that was a good, uh, you know, 
basically, you know, kidnap your mate away for a night, give him an adventure quickly and let him go back to his, to his family life. <laughs> now, there was another Pizza Street adventure with Jason that was a, another quick night away um, camping kind of on a quarry that he knew from his dog walks. That was really nice, but not much to report about that, apart from Jason being sick again, I think. But... Um, no, instead, the the final one I'll talk about is is another Peter Street adventure, um, and this was where I had adventure on my own. I I I got quite into the idea of um, naked swimming, skinny dipping in in sort of lakes in in mountainous areas. Uh, I got quite into the idea of it. Uh, I don't know if I'd done a lot of them, but I basically then did a bit of research and found this uh, this legend of the mermaid's pool, which I think is on Kinder Scout in the Peter Street. I should have checked that before recording this, but Mermaid's Pool, I'm sure you can Google it. But anyway, I've got a uh, YouTube video as well of this like, little adventure that I did. So on the Forest and I YouTube channel, um, you can find this uh, this kind of night adventure I did. So the idea was to uh, park, park, I think I went to see Jason and Tori and his family and then left them at about nine o'clock at night. Yeah, I get it, quite a sort of nice night. I think it was spring or autumn. It wasn't it middle of summer. It was, it was pretty cold at night and rainy and stuff, but it's Peter Street maybe, I don't know. But um, drove off, parked the car near one of the reservoirs and then walked up in daylight as it got into the evening for about an hour and then it started to get dusk and walked a bit more. And um, basically I was trying to get as to or as close to this pool, that this um, kind of small lake. Um, it's like a big pond, small lake. It's called Mermaid's Pool. Um, and try and get there to sleep near it because I wanted to then skinny dip either at night or, or in the morning. Kind of thing. Either way, I didn't mind. Um so, but the problem is it got, it did get too dark and it was, I didn't get a sight of it before it got dark. So I couldn't, you know, do a bearing or anything like that. So I just had to approximate and then eventually pick a spot and, and crash for the night. So it was a lovely night because again, the stars, if you get a good starry night in that kind of place, obviously the stars are absolutely stunning. Um, did I have a fire? Don't remember. I don't think so in the pizza string. I think I was probably too worried about it. I don't know. I had a stove and stuff for some food and, and had a couple of beers and things, I think. And then uh, in the morning, this sort of gloomy morning broke. Um, probably are going to wake about five or six. I don't think there's any bird song or dawn chorus because you don't really get it when you're in that mountainous sort of side. Uh, and there was lots of bracken around and, and you know things. But basically, I had to start pack up my stuff and start walking a little bit, about another 20 minutes across contouring around the mountainside. And then I saw a glimpse of this pool that I was looking for, which is so exciting. Um, so I've got, on the YouTube video, I think I've got some screenshots showing the kind of first glimpse I, I got of it. Slept my way over, is that what again? And um, got to this pool, and you know, it was just—it was quite a gloomy day, but it was really cool to get to this like mystical pool in a kind of middle of the Peter Street hillside, with mist swirling around and a bit of a valley below you couldn't really see properly and stuff. So the, the 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 legend of this is something to do with if you swim in this pool at dawn, probably on February the twenty eighth, then. Um, you know, you'll see a mermaid and they'll ask you to, you know, to marry them and then you'll be like trapped forever or something. You know, there's some base legend, I think. Pretty sure that's what it is. Um, nothing like that happened, but I did strip off. Uh, video of me getting into the, the lake. Uh, you see a bit of my butt crack, I think, but otherwise don't worry too much. And uh, had a swim in this like pond. And so the, the, the ground of it is gross because it's like, you know, half a meter of sh- sh- sludge, basically, from from the bracken and stuff. I guess that ends up in this lake. So I had a bit of a swim around, stirring up all the stuff, and then got back out, looking like some kind of crazy caveman covered in mud and gunk. You know, so that was quite funny. Got dressed, had a cup of tea, 
I then uh, sauntered down back towards the car and back to uh, Jason and his family. It was so cool. I don't remember if I then went home that night. I don't think so. I think I stuck around. So it's a micro-adventure in terms of a quick adventure there and back. And you're up early in the morning and then back. But I, did, I didn't go back to my desk that time. So uh, it wasn't quite that kind of adventure. But really great, really great feeling to do something like that on your own. You know, it's quite low risk. I had mobile signal and stuff. So if there was an issue, I could have called. Um, you know, and I've got hill experience enough that, you know, I felt confident enough to do it. So um, that's obviously a word of caution, depending on where you're going to go for these things. But stumbling around mountain, rocky mountain sides at night, obviously isn't great. Um, <laughs> even if you're experienced with a head torch, whatever. But it was a great adventure, really great adventure. And I just, and if you can incorporate wild swimming to a micro adventure like that, it's really, really cool. Very cool. So those are some of my micro adventure stories. Um, most of them I did think I did put on Twitter um, at. Well, I think it's Canvas Summer Nige is my Twitter handle, but but I'm going to put some of the things back on Instagram on at Forrester Nige. Um, so I hope you enjoyed listening to those stories. Uh, so I thought I'd just finish with a few thoughts on micro adventures I'd like to do in the future. So Alison Freeze and quite a lot of people on um, Twitter that use that hashtag micro adventure. Um, they do things like a bike ride. So, you know, go for a bit of a bike ride from your office or from a workplace or a meeting point, whatever. Go for a bit of a bike ride for an hour or two to get to a nice spot and then camp and then, you know, pack up and come back in the morning. And another thing people do that I'd like to do is on the river. So maybe with a canoe or some kind of boat, um, take, you know, pack up your stuff and take a little boat ride down a very small winding river. Something that um, Nick Weston used to do in his Treehouse Diaries book and a lot of his coverage was him mucking about on um, on the rivers in Sussex, just these like little rivers like the River Ouse um, that ends up going through Lewis, but um, you know, kind of it, it ambles its way through the Sussex countryside. So I'd quite like to do something like that. And there is a friend of ours out here in Spain that's got a boat that I hope that maybe I convince them that we can do something. Um, so that'd be good. Uh, I've got the Picas Europa here, so so it's quite hard to get away with life it is at the moment. So trying to get away for a significant mountain trip for a week or two weeks or even a long weekend is, is very hard, impossible really at the moment. So I hope that my adventures might be the way. So maybe I can do a, a brief overnight, which really limits the the you know the impact of my absence for, for my family uh, and our duties and, and activities here. Uh, so it limits that. So it's just doing, again, a short overnight somewhere. Now, Pekas are over at least three-hour drive away, but it is possible. So I could do a bit of an epic drive. It's quite a lot of petrol, but, but um, yeah, you know, a few hours drive there, have a bit of a hike to sleep somewhere on a beautiful mountain, see the sun come up, and then um, come back home again, you know. I, I'm very happy to do long drives for that kind of venture, you know. As long as I've got the energy for the drive, it's, I think it's definitely worth it. You get a lot out of it. You get to listen to music and podcasts on the way as well. Um, and then the one I've wanted to do for here, but my wife's always been really concerned about it, uh, is we've got a, quite a, a nice beach here called Arnella. Um, you can Google it. Um, and it's it's a nice little covey beach. And it's not it's not that busy apart from the height of summer during the days. But I'd like to, to camp there at night, you know, with the sound of the sea and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I could camp higher up on the hill so that it's not down on the sand because you get all these like bugs and stuff in the sand at night that could be quite annoying but my wife was worried that a you know there could be problems with the tide or b people might come and attack me you know people don't like the idea of gypsies in spain and maybe i'd get attacked and i don't know i think i'd probably explain the fact i'm english local quite quickly i think that become quite apparent 
but it's something I'd quite like to do so I'm going to think about that and there's other spots around here there's, there's a bit of a mountain just above our house where we live and I, I'd quite like to sleep on the top of that um, and, and I did that a few times I think I did I sleep in my mum's garden once I think I slept in the woods near my mum's house once as a micro-adventure. And sometimes these things are a bit bonkers. You think, well, why, why would you bother just doing that? That's just silly, isn't it? But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to be a little bit bonkers. You've got to have a bit of silliness. Um, and with that, I give my thanks again to Rach for asking the question. Hope this has given you and all listeners a bit of an insight to micro-adventures. And I hope that it inspires you and you can tackle something soon. Certainly check out Alice Humphreys. Uh, check out hashtag micro on Twitter and probably on Instagram and things. And yeah. Thanks for listening.